WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. Well, good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD. It is your South Shores radio station. And this morning, we were supposed to have Sean McLaughlin, CEO of a company called Emporia. Emporia makes smart electric vehicle chargers, and uh, but I haven't heard from him yet. So I'm not quite sure what's going on with him. Uh, but, uh, you know, hopefully he'll call in and we'll be able to chat with him about uh, they have uh, the news release said, not your grandmother's Tesla charger. So I was kind of interested what makes their charger a little bit different also they're also quite reasonably priced too from what i could see so hopefully sean will be calling in and we can talk with him about uh the electric vehicle charging uh chargers that they have and and his are smart chargers too where they can hook up to the power grid they they know when the cheapest time to charge is and also if you happen to have solar panels on your house they somehow uh interface with the solar voltaic system so you can charge more inexpensively i guess so we're waiting waiting to see what happens with um with sean about that so hopefully he'll be calling in um some of the emails that came in this week a lot of them were battery related and uh like uh meteorologist uh jesse wilkins just said mm-hmm. snow weather coming snow and cold weather coming right jesse uh that's right yeah 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 so uh so we've been getting a lot of battery questions because of that and uh, and kind of an odd amount of battery questions. Uh, we have um, a uh, a person with a Nissan Altima. They have a one year old battery. Uh, their neighbor came out. They jump started the car, and he said, uh, "You know, not sure if it's the alternator or not. How do I find out where the problem is?" And he also suggested I run the car forty five minutes every two weeks. And the person said, "I find that unusual since I use my car for local errands. What should I do?" Well. Uh, it's easy enough to check an alternator these days as well as the rest of the battery and electrical system. And a one-year-old battery, can it fail? Sure it can. Um, you know, we have you know we have batteries that, you know, AAA sells batteries, and we have batteries that can fail. Uh, we, you know, we, we don't like it when they do, and we think we have some of the best batteries on the market. Uh, batteries are made by three or four different battery companies. So there's a lot of different battery names, but they're all made by, uh, uh, you know, East Bend Battery. And you see Interstate Battery a lot. Well, Interstate Battery is actually more of a marketing company. They buy batteries from other people. Um, but they, you, so you can get a different quality battery with the same interstate name on it. And we try to get the best batteries we can, but do they occasionally fail? Sure they do. And that's why they have a six-year warranty and a three-year kind of 100% warranty. But you can use some, some tools to test the battery. A voltmeter will give you a basic idea of a battery, but it really won't tell you uh, the real condition of the battery. You need some sort of a tester to be able to do that. Uh, we happen to use something called a B2Q tester. And if you're interested what that is, it's um, you can go to B, B uh, the number 2, Q Tech, and dot uh, com, and you can read about it. It's, it's really pretty accurate, and it's pretty neat the way it works. Uh, you, um, you, scan, you scan the battery uh, QR code, or barcode with your phone, which is 
got the B2Q app. You hook the you hook this little tester up to it. Uh, it does some magic, and it tells you how many cold cranking amps are left in the battery, the battery voltage, and it also can test the starter and alternator. So simple enough to see if the alternator is the issue. And uh, then um, you can you can do some more testing to find out where the problem is. As far as driving the car 45 minutes every two weeks. Uh, not a bad idea. Um, a better idea is to drive it about 30 minutes every week. And that's it. that helps keep the battery charged. And alternators aren't really designed to recharge batteries. They're designed to maintain the battery. So if you have a battery that went completely dead and you jump-started it and somebody said, yeah, just let it run for half an hour, it'll be fine. That doesn't really fully charge the battery. What it does is it, it gets it partway up but not fully charged. And that should be done with the battery charger. So, um, jump-starting the car didn't really fix the problem. It just fixed the symptom of the problem, which was the car didn't start. The other thing we see a lot of as the temperature drops, uh, with whether it's just, you know, winter's on its way, uh, about 10 days away, I guess, before we hit the official start of winter. Uh, but as the temperature drops, it'll turn on tire pressure warning lights, so the TPMS light will come on, and people go, oh, is there something wrong? Do I have a flat tire? Well, you probably had a tire that was a couple pounds underinflated, and then as the uh, temperatures get colder, the air pressure goes down. And then you take the car out, and you go drive it, and all of a sudden the light goes out, and you're like, oh, what's really wrong? Well, as you go driving around, the the uh, molecules of air start to kind of bounce around inside the tire. They expand, and the tire pressure goes up. Uh, same thing happens when you let the car sit in the heat. Uh, the tire pressure will actually go up just a little bit. So it's always best to check your tire pressure when the car is cool. Uh, so not just after a run out on the highway. So check the tire pressure when the car is cool. And if you don't know how much to inflate the tires, open up the driver's door. There's usually a placard right on the driver's door that says um, how much air you should put in the tires. So you put that air in. And is it going to hurt anything if you drive to the local gas station, you know, that's five or 10 minutes away and no the tires aren't going to heat up that much don't worry about that but put the right amount of air in the tires and and check them once a month or so and that's how you you know can maintain your tires maintain your tire pressure and also maximize your fuel economy even though fuel prices have gone down i think we saw about a 10 cent drop in gas prices in the last week or so gas is still expensive so do what you can to maintain your fuel economy uh, somebody else wrote in with a Subaru, and a fairly new Subaru, too, a 2018 Subaru, and um, they've been having problems with the battery going dead in that car. And they said it really has only happened since COVID, and they have about 28,000 miles on their car, but since 2020, when they started working at home, they've only put about 8,500 miles on the car. So less than 3,000 miles a year. So it sounds like the car doesn't get driven very much, which, again, can discharge the battery. But since 2020, they've put three batteries in this car. Uh, the, they went to Subaru. They replaced the factory battery. And since then, they put in Optima batteries, which is a um, which is a battery. Uh, uh, where regular batteries are flooded lead-acid battery, uh, Optima batteries are a spiral or um, sometimes called a gel battery and um, or an AGM battery. 
And they typically, you can, you, what's nice about the Optima batteries, if you have something like a boat or a hot rod or something, you can actually lean the battery on its side. There's nothing to leak out of it. So it's, uh, it tends to be a lot better battery for uh, odd locations of things. So it works out, works out pretty well. Um, that is um, a good battery, but why is the battery still going dead? And they said to me in their email that, where the problem really happens is when the temperature drops under 45 degrees and they've had the car checked for something called parasitic draw which means is there accessories on that stay on when the key is shut off and all cars have some amount of parasitic drain or parasitic draw and that can be from the part of the radio that saves the um presets for instance you listen to 95.9 WATD you have it on preset number two on your radio and when you shut the car off when you come back out it's still preset number two so you know exactly where it is Uh, same thing if you have memory functions in your car like the seats go to a certain position when you open and close the door those are all things that the computer stays on and keeps that memory alive Uh, clocks in cars things like that so there's always a little bit of parasitic drain but I think on this car there may be something's coming on when it gets cold. Also, they said they when they talked to their Subaru dealer, or they talk, called Subaru directly, I don't remember which, uh, they said that there was a one-time software upgrade to help the charging system. And yeah, that came out a few years ago. And what Subaru did when these cars were under warranty generally is... You brought it in and said, my battery keeps going dead. They put in a bigger battery, so one with more, not more cranking amperage, but more reserve capacity. The reserve capacity kind of lets things drain, but still leaves enough power left in the battery to get the car going. But they also, in Subarus, like several cars these days, they don't really charge the battery when the car is just sitting there idling uh, because that wastes fuel. In fact, in some driving conditions, it may not charge the car at all. We did a little bit of a test uh, where we looked at the charging system profile of a car and noticed that perfectly normal on that particular car, there was certain speeds. It never charged, the alternator never charged the battery because they were trying to maximize fuel economy because when the alternator is working hard, it steals away a little bit of fuel economy. So I would definitely go in and have that software upgrade done to the car and also as good as that Optima battery is, I would be looking at the reserve capacity of it as well as the cold cranking amps. The cold cranking amps are great. That means there's plenty of power to crank the engine over, but does it have enough reserve? And maybe the reserve is the issue. But also, and I don't know if they'll do this, but what I would want to see them do at the dealership is put the car outside in the cold weather and then measure the parasitic drain on the vehicle and see whether, in fact, there's something that's cropping up where the when the car gets cold. I have seen, for instance, on some cars, the um, there's a pump that pressurizes the fuel system uh, or the uh, emission system to see if there's any leaks in the gas tank or gas lines or any of those kind of things. And That comes on periodically. It pressurizes the system. If there's a leak, it turns on a check engine light to let you know there's an EVAP failure, evaporative emissions failure. And I've seen that pump come on 
at weird times for no reason. I've also seen power seat motors come on when the temperatures get cold. I even saw one car once that the seat heater would come on kind of in the middle of the night at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, the person emailed me and said, they uh, they figured out what the problem was because they kept checking their car periodically and they noticed the seat heater was on. So there could be a lot of weird stuff that can happen with temperature changes. Uh, years back, the um, horns would go off on a lot of General Motors cars at 2 or 3 in the morning. And, you know, it sounded like someone was going to steal the car. When in fact, really what it was, the... Um, the, the horn cover, the steering wheel cover, the thing that covers the airbag in the steering wheel, would actually shrink when it got cold. And when it did, it would energize the horn and turn the horn on. So, you know, kind of a kind of a weird thing to happen, but could it be happening in this Subaru or something like that? Absolutely. So, you know, those are kind of the things I would want to check and see what's going on with it. Uh, in some of the news, um, Mazda, who hasn't really done much with electric vehicles, uh, has decided they're going to put about $10 billion into electrification through 2030 with a string of partnerships uh, targeting everything from batteries to motors to computer chips in an attempt to kind of catch up. They do have an electric vehicle. I did drive it. It was kind of a weird electric vehicle. It was a s- small electric car. Uh, it was nice enough, but it only had about a hundred mile range. And today, you know, we're just about every car has at least a hundred and fifty mile range. In some cases, uh, two hundred and fifty, three hundred miles. And Lucid, uh, which is um, the newest premium electric car to hit the market, they actually have one model with over a five hundred mile range. The battery must be huge, and you must need some kind of special high speed charging. St- system to charge at home, not level three, but maybe a hundred amp system, which is one of the problems. Uh, and again, one of the reasons I was interested in talking to the the folks from the, uh, the charging system company was that, um, you know, how, how much amperage do you need to put a home charger in? Uh, someone I was reading about uh, had an F-150 Lightning, and they put this 100-amp system in, and they said they were fortunate at their home they had a 400-amp electrical service. I can't imagine why, unless they run a shop out of their house or something, and they have the electric extra uh, amperage to run that kind of thing. But most most newer homes have 100-amp services, uh, I mean, have 200-amp services, and, uh, you know, running a dedicated 100-amp, 240-volt plug to the your garage or outside of your house kind of puts some stress on the rest of the electrical systems in the house. So you could probably run a 100-amp um, charger, but you probably would have to limit things like water heaters and stove use, electric dryers, and things like that. So you'd have to kind of figure out a way to be able to do it and probably exceed some electrical code because... Generally, you're, I don't think you're supposed to go more than 150% of whatever the total is on the panel. So if you look at your electrical panel and you have a 200-amp service, if you count up all the breakers, they shouldn't exceed, say, like 100, uh, 250 amps or 300 amps, something whatever, so to be able to go any further. So, But it looks like Mazda is going to get back into it. They now expect uh, electric vehicles to compose up to 40% of their global sales in just um, seven or eight more years. So it'll be interesting to see if they actually get there or not. Um, so that's one of the things in the news that I thought was that I thought was pretty interesting. And one of the other things in the news that came up is um, 
Toyota is looking to turn their buyers back to leasing. Uh, the Toyota brand's North American boss is long, has a long-term homework project. And this is from Automotive News from well, a month or so ago, I guess. And it says it's a tough task. Uh, David Christ admits that uh, it will require a lot of creativity to complete as inventory reduced incentives have slashed leasing penetration this year. But given what a vital tool leasing is historically, um, they say the industry needs to find an effective answer. Toyota's leasing percentage right now is about 14% of total sales, and it would be normally near 30%. So that's 15% of the business, which now is a uh, retail contract instead of a lease. Uh, that's a concern because customers on a lease cycle uh, is back they come back about every three years or so, and it's an automatic opportunity to release them in a new car or to sell them a new car, but also importantly, I would think, is to get that used car in their used car inventory. Leasing's matured into an essential tool for the auto industry, according to this. It not only drives new car sales, but off-lease vehicles, especially those that came with as Toyotas do, also serve as valuable feedstock for their highly profitable certified pre-owned vehicles. Leasing also provides automakers and dealerships with a relief valve for their monthly sales, allowing them to pull lease vehicles forward if sales are slow to extend lease terms if inventories are tight. So in other words, you have a three-year lease, inventories are tight, and you make the, you, you kind of make a deal with the customer. How about we come up with a deal so you can lease it for additional time? So it's interesting to see where that's going to go. And one more story about GM is uh, it's the headline here is treads carefully with electric vehicle pricing. Long-term customers are automakers goal, just like Toyota said. Uh, General Motors is thinking long-term as it prices its upcoming electric vehicles, steering clear of opportunistic pricing in favor of a lineup spanning segments and price points, according to their executive staff. Uh, the Detroit automaker is banking on customers switching from gasoline ca cars to EVs as it prepares to put more models on sale next year and convert its Cadillac and Buick brands to fully electric by 2030. While research shows that at least for now, consumers are willing to pay a premium for EVs, typical EV cost, I think, is around $65,000 right now, although a typical Jeep Grand Cherokee is in the 50s, so... I guess not that far away, more than I would spend on a car. GM also doesn't want to turn up prospective EV buyers by pricing them too high. President uh, of GM said this month at a company investor day in New York, uh, we are... We are baking that premium in every single product and every segment and taking advantage of that. We certainly, uh, we really look at each customer, each segment, the willingness to do that is a little bit different. He said, we've got to rem remain the automaker who reduces friction for buying an EV product on our own, whether it's through price, package, design, usability, range, all of those things. GM next year will roll out more nameplates on its um, proprietary Ultimum bat battery platform to fill nearly the $90,000 price gap between the Chevrolet Bolt EV and uh, which is built on the older battery architecture, and the GM Hummer, which costs $112,000, including shipping. So there needs to be something between that $40,000 car and that $113,000 car. So we'll have to see. And uh, I mentioned Lucid. Uh, Lucid has one model now, and they're kind of bragging about it, that they 
you know, it's going to be a $90,000 car. Like, that's cheap. But it says, since launching this year, Lucid has made a name for itself with the six-figure version of an electric air sedan, which have broken uh, records for battery range and efficiency while delivering roller coaster levels of performance. A new top version coming next year will be a $250,000 car called the Air Sapphire. But while the Sapphire will serve as a halo car for the young all-electric brand, which... Uh, Elon Musk says is going to go bankrupt, but we'll wait and see. Um, the newly launched Air Pure version will be a entry-level hero of the lineup, offering high-tech luxury experience at a sub ninety thousand dollars starting price. Ninety thousand is still a lot of money. Huh? Even even more affordable, Lucid, since the uh, core technology finds its way in a broader lineup of vehicles later in the decade, with prices starting at fifty thousand or so to compete with luxury EV competitors. Um, Derek Jenkins, Senior Vice President of Design and Brand, told Automotive News there is pride among the design and engineering teams in being able to deliver the Pure as a unique alternative to the pricier trims that is not a bare-bones model consumers have to settle for. All of this development on the high-end cars has trickled down to a car at a better entry-level price, but still with pretty remarkable specifications. We'll have to wait and see. And I, I kind of want to talk to somebody from Lucid. They actually have a store. I don't think they actually call them dealerships. I don't even think they call them stores. But there's they have one in uh, in uh, the Seaport area. So maybe we'll have to talk to somebody from there. Uh, why don't we take a break and pay some bills? If you want to join us, apparently our guest isn't going to call in. So if you want to join us, our phone number is 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. Give us a call. We'll talk to you about your car, your car problems. Maybe you have a battery that's not working right or, uh, you know, something like that. You can give us a call. Our phone number again, 781-837-4900. Uh, you're listening to the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. No one wants to be left out in the cold. With AAA, you won't be. Their experienced technicians will be there fast to help with your dead battery, unexpected breakdown, frozen locks, or any car issue that comes with winter weather. They're trained to fix most problems on the spot, often without the need for a tow. And you're covered in any car you're driving or riding in, 24-7. Join AAA today at aaa.com join. Quirk Kia Marshfield, offering the same great customer sales and service you expect from a Quirk dealership. Go in, browse their well-stocked lot, and drive home in a brand new Kia, like the 2023 Kia Forte or the 2023 Kia Sportage. And the Quirk service department will be available to you for the lifetime of your vehicle. Quirk Kia Marshfield works for you. Quirk Kia, 923 Plain Street, Marshfield. Just off Route 3 at the new exit 27. Visit QuirkKiaMarshfield.com. Holiday well-wishes and cheerful tidings are one thing, but after a year of good behavior, we're all wondering, what's in Santa's bag? Listen this week and next week for Santa and his bells. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. And be the correct caller to identify the toy you'll hear about in a classic commercial. And you'll get a nice new prize from your station for all seasons. 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. 
And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD. Our phone number again, 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. Let's talk to our friend Paul from Braintree. Paul, good hi. morning. Hi, John. Good morning. Hope good things morning. are improving in Florida. Uh, well, it's um, it's getting cool down here. It's uh, it was sixty degrees. When What's I got it? Eighty morning. degrees? <laughs> no. uh, not 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 today. Not today. But somebody just sent me an email from uh, the the East Coast. They were they were over in the Fort Lauderdale area, and I guess I guess it was about seventy five while they were sitting outside reading the paper. Uh, so I'm yes. looking at my window. I have a dusting of snow in in the old forest behind me. So <clears throat> winter is fast approaching here, uh, but that's okay. Um, well, I hope things improve. I mean, I hope for everybody in Florida. Uh, it, it is it is still for businesses down here. There are still a lot of businesses that are closed. It it's uh, uh, you know even even big businesses. There's a there was a uh, local department store that most most of their stores here were closed. There was a uh, one of the supermarkets just reopened about a week ago. Uh, so there there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff. So hope you know hopefully everything's going to kind of get a little bit better a little bit at a time here. So. Well, that's good. That's always a positive glass half full uh, look yeah. at everything. Um, a question is: We're talking about well, a couple of things on on uh, EVs. Is the state, any state, but Massachusetts in particular, are they going to have to reappraise their annual inspections if cars don't have any pollution coming out of them with an EV? Uh, I would think they would, but right now, where it's only two percent of the. Um of the kind of fleet of cars in Massachusetts that, uh, you know, it's it's such a small number that I don't think they really care at this point. They, you know, I don't want to say they only care about getting your money, but, you know. <laughs> well, that's it, the, probably pretty honest, yeah. 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 Uh, um, the electric vehicle be, part of yeah. it is um, there's no emissions to worry about, so. It will still go through the regular, you know, still electric cars go through the regular safety check where as far and as far as I know, there's no discount for that. Um, So it'd be, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see that. And the other part of it is, will your electric vehicle that you charge at home be subject to some sort of additional tax to make up for the lack of gas tax? Because your electric vehicle, just like a regular vehicle, does wear out the roads. And that's what the gas tax was supposed to be for. Yeah, uh, the um, the uh, uh, I guess you can have a guest on about uh, electric charge electric charging stations. I think you talked about a place in Somerville that I guess these are real mobile units like an ATM, and you they can set them down anywhere. Um, I live in a condo development, which would be ideal. Um, well, they can they can actually set them in a condo development. Um, yeah. it it looks like it looks like kind of a fancy kiosk. And what it mm-hmm. is, it, it has a series of batteries in it, and the batteries are totally self-sufficient. So the company is called Spark Charge, and uh, their claim to their first claim to fame, and where I first heard about them was they got a million dollars from the Shark Tank people, and then since then they've gotten about twenty-three million dollars in venture capital money, and they their their latest product product is this thing that's about. Um, I would I would put it it's bigger than an ATM but smaller than say like one of those you know goodwill boxes you see kind of you know in front of a building right. so yeah. um but it's fully self-contained and what happens is they 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 can put it you know any place they can kind of bolt it to the ground and I don't know how many recharges it can do until 
the battery's in it go dead, but when, they, when the battery's in it start to go low, they send a truck out, swap out the batteries, put in new batteries so it can recharge again. And from what I understand, it, it, and it is level three charging, so it's that sort of 20 to 30 minute quick charge that takes place. And um, it should be, it, you know, it should be able to do, you know, probably, uh, I, I'm guessing by the size of the battery pack I saw in it, it can probably do 20 or 30 recharges before the batteries need to be swapped out. And it only takes okay. about five minutes to swap out the battery. So instead of putting level three charging in a condo development, which can cost to do that high speed charging, which is um, beneficial to the driver, not so much to the batteries, but beneficial to the driver where they can charge up in, you know, 30 minutes or so. Um, that's about a sixty to one hundred and ten thousand dollar price tag to do that. So, mm-hmm. um, so you know, a lot of condo projects, you know, condo developments aren't going to say we're going to put one of those in because that's going to add a lot. Now they could put level two charging in for probably six thousand dollars per unit, depending on how much electricity is available. And um, you know, some there there actually is legislation, and I think it was passed in Massachusetts that is designed not to hamper apartment and condo dwellers ability to get charging at their development so in other words you know at a condominium association they can't build it into their rules that say you can't put an electric vehicle charger in so um uh, although it's funny i i did a i did a virtual talk to a group in somewhere somewhere in uh it might have been it might have actually been in Florida, and they said in their bylaws it said you can put an electric vehicle charger in, but when you sold your unit, you had to take it out and put everything back to the way it was before you put it in so in other words, if you had a you know run cabling and chop up a sidewalk to put an electric vehicle charger out in front of your, your parking space when you sold your unit, you had to put it back the other way, which seems kind of funny, I would think it would just you know maybe in you know if everybody does what they say they're going to do in 30 in you know seven or eight years electric vehicles are you know as popular as they are i would think having a charging little charging station at your house would be a a sales <coughs> something that would, increase the value yeah exactly but yeah. With, with this smart char- smart charger it, it's it's more or less portable I it mean, is and, uh, it is they actually ha- they actually have them in trucks where they can uh, they can go out. They can, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do do uh, the people who own the cars, the EVs, do they put a credit card in to charge? I mean, do you know? How, well, yeah, it's a it's a, the ones that I saw originally are were subscription service. So, in other words, mm-hmm. you you um, you know, so you know, no different than the old days of having the milkman come to your house. You know, so they would, oh, okay. you, you know, so they would show up and they would charge up your car, and you would pay a fee every week or however often you needed to charge up your car, and that's kind of the way it worked. I think these other ones, where they're going to be the big kiosks, are going to be just like that. It's going to be like, you know, you go up to it, you wave your credit card in front of it, or put your credit card in it, and yeah. you know, you charge up. And depending on you know the the cost involved, somebody somebody sent me a picture. Um, on Facebook today of a uh, of a and I don't remember how old it was it was an old it was an old photo from when they had a uh, let's see it was 1973 
and it shows a uh, it shows someone charging an AMC Gremlin, so an electric Gremlin. Um, and the, it didn't and blow the, up. Yeah, and it didn't <laughs> blow up. And it was in Seattle, in Seattle, and it was you could charge for one hour for twenty five cents. And basically, what it was wow. was just a. Uh, it looks like just a power cord that attached to something that looked like a electric. It looked like a parking meter. But you know the same idea is um, you know most of the charges that I've seen charge you about two dollars an hour to recharge, and that's probably you know even paying that kind of price, it's probably half the price of you know the equivalent range of a gallon of gasoline so um so yeah, yeah so yeah. it it makes some sense um you know in i think it's in i think it's in medford but i'm not it's either melrose or medford i don't remember which they actually have these chargers that are mounted on telephone poles but they're mounted like 10 or 12 feet up in the air and you pull up to the telephone pole and you do something on your phone, an app on your phone, and the cable comes down, literally comes down from the sky, and uh, you put, and you plug in, you plug into your car, and when you're done, you, you when you're done charging, you unplug it, and you and it magically wheels itself back up. So it's not in the way, and it's not, you know, there's no chance of vandalism while it's all wound up in its little holder up on the pole. So that's kind of a unique way, and uh, that was something that the uh, that National Grid was has been working on, and the pilot testing it up there. And from what I understand, it's working pretty well, although it's kind of funny. I was talking to somebody who said, yeah, great. I don't want some strange car parked in front of my house. You know, and I'm like, well, they're not really in front of houses, but they could be, I suppose. But, you know, I don't want that car parked in front of my house. Well, you know, if there's a you know, if there's a parking space out there, it's kind of open about to parking. anybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we have about six. I we're about 390 condos here. I think are about six uh, people who have EVs. They they also have garages with uh, electrical units in in yep. them, and I guess that's what they're doing. <clears throat> but um, I think it may be worth having these people make a present. I'm having to be a trustee for the moment, uh, making a presentation here, uh, see if it's worth, you know. Yeah. No, I, I, I would. I mean, again, the company is called Spark Charge, and they're out of Somerville. Yeah, they're out of out of Somerville, and uh, I'm sure they'd be happy to come and you know talk about their new their new unit and you know where it could be placed. It's kind of interesting. I took a ride through the uh, old uh, uh, Weymouth Navy base one day, and you know they have a variety of different you know condos and stuff over there. Right. You know everything from. Everything from assisted living to you know younger people, and it was a it was a nice day, although it was a winter day, but it was a nice day, and garage doors were open and I got tired of counting teslas i I must have counted you know ten or twelve of them uh, you sure you see, weren't in Hingham? I uh, know, no, I was uh, no, I was def, I was definitely, I was definitely in Weymouth where I get where I got lost driving around inside yeah, there. Yeah, right. I know, yeah. But uh, but they are you know I was and again I think the area I was in was sort of that you know yeah. um, younger more you know probably more affluent yeah exactly right and, right. yeah yeah but it it was it well, was it was sort of interesting that it, it was it was as popular as it was. Well, that's really great. I guess the final thing I wonder with EVs is it was going to be sort of like when uh, VCRs first came out they were five six hundred dollars and now you can buy one for. $50 somewhere. I wonder eventually in time EVs will be you know reasonably priced like gas cars. 
Well, I think I think it is, but I also think, and this is, you know, I have nothing to base this on because, you know, I, I, I'm no good at telling fortunes. If I was, I'd, you know, pick lottery numbers or something. But I, I think still that battery electric vehicles are still, this is still a transitional step. I think mm-hmm. what we will see eventually is hydrogen and um, hydrogen, you know, and people go hydrogen to Hindenburg, you know, and I'm like, well, gasoline explodes, you know, so it's, you know, if, you know, um, but I think hydrogen will be the, the real replacement for gasoline at some point because it is clean. Uh, the only thing it makes in the combustion process is water that literally you can drink it. The water coming out of it's clean enough to drink. Uh, so maybe California and other places where they have all these shortages of water right now could you know that would be good if they could do that and the idea that hydrogen is pretty easy to get as opposed to having to go strip mining for for lithium so right. I, I really think that you know and i don't know when it's going to be you know is it going to be in you know 10 20 30 years but i think hydrogen and you know they're already talking about blue hydrogen and green hydrogen and environmentally friendly hydrogen and but you know you're basically you know cracking a water molecule and taking the hydrogen out of it and leaving the oxygen. So I I think really hydrogen might be the next real thing. Um, and you will pull into a hydrogen filling station like you'll pull into a gas station, and hydrogen refills a whole lot quicker than electricity. So you'd fill up your hydrogen tank, be on your way, and uh, and the only pollution you'd make is, or the only thing you make, the only byproduct you make is water. So, you know, that could be, that's what I think the real future is. Will I be alive long enough to see it. I don't know. I don't know either. But, yeah. you know, it's good that someone's planning ahead like this. And, uh, yeah, well, I guess I'll stick with my, <laughs> my stick with power for a while. As, uh, as am I. As am I. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Merry Christmas. I probably won't be calling in for a couple of weeks, but uh, hope everything works well and uh, gets better in Florida for you. All right. Well, thank you very much. Take care, Paul, and Merry Christmas. You too now. Bye-bye. And... Jesse, correct me if I'm wrong. We're we're working on Christmas and New Year's Day, right? Uh yeah, yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. So you haven't heard anything different, right? They no, 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 no. I'm here. No. You're there. You're, That's you're right. scheduled. My, my, you're yeah. scheduled to work. That is true, and it should be fine. I mean, my kids will be up at five in the morning because it's Christmas anyway. So we'll do presents and stuff, and then I'll come over here, spend my and Christmas then, with you the way I intended. That sounds so sad. <laughs> In some odd way, it sounds so sad. And and you know, since we're you know since we're talking about this, why don't you know? Speaking of presents, why don't we uh, take a break and uh, and you know pay some bills? And if people want to call in, they can call in at seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred. And uh, maybe you got a car problem you want to you want to go over. You can give us a call seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred. When we take a break, pay some bills. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program you're listening on ninety five nine WATD. We'll be right back. No one wants to be left out in the cold. With AAA, you won't be. Their experienced technicians will be there fast to help with your dead battery, unexpected breakdown, frozen locks, or any car issue that comes with winter weather. They're trained to fix most problems on the spot, often without the need for a tow. And you're covered in any car you're driving or riding in, 24-7. Join AAA today at aaa.com slash join. You're invited to a special art exhibition at the James Library and Center for the Arts. 
20, 21, 22 is a free juried art exhibition showcasing and honoring art created during unprecedented times. Through December 17th, see what artists created over the last three years during a life-altering time in our history. Sponsored by Napier Financial and the Cordelia Family Foundation, this show features art of all mediums and is sure to leave a lasting impression. The James Library has a handicap-accessible entrance and parking, an elevator to bring you to the concert hall, art gallery, or library, and COVID safety protocols in place so you can enjoy the best in arts close to home, regardless of physical or financial ability. Visit the James Tuesday through Friday from 1 to 5 and Saturday from 11 to 1 at 24 West Street in Norwell. Plan your trip on the James's special events page at jameslibrary.org. Keep your car in tip-top shape at Joseph's Garage. Have your oil changed, tires checked, get an inspection sticker, or just gas at Joseph's Garage, right down the street from the James in Norwell. Joseph's Garage now offers Gulf Pay at their pumps. Don't miss the Just Steph Show every Monday night from 8 to 10 p.m. for fun guests and tips on living your best life every day. I'm bringing sexy back to Monday nights. Tomorrow night from 8 to 10 on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor program on 95.9 WATD. Our phone number again is 781-837-4900. is how you get through. Um, you know, it is all, it really is all about electric cars, although I was just... Uh, scrolling through facebook during the break because you know because and mark rosso who is the uh, auto writer at the boston globe and writes for papers all over the country i noticed just uh posted a picture and he's living up in upper state new york now he was living in hingham i believe but he's living in uh, new york now and uh, he has a uh, a japanese mini truck with a plow on the front of it so that's what he's going to use the plow snow with uh, which I kind of like these. They're they're called I think they're called K trucks or Kai trucks. So they're sort of little right hand drive trucks you see in Asia, but you also see them in the Caribbean. Uh, usually they're Toyotas or, or, or Mitsubishi's, but they're just kind of cute. A lot of people use them for advertising. I saw one that had a portable pizza oven in the back of it. One of them was a uh, liquor company that that had some kind of premixed cocktails that had it uh, had a little kind of bar unit set up in the back of it. But I really I really kind of like them. Maybe we'll have to see if we can get Mark on the program one of these days and talk about you know what you know the cars he's driven lately, the ones he likes and the, uh and some of the others, but is but uh, along with that also uh maybe this K truck and see what that's all about. Uh it's interesting that in Rhode Island and Maine, I think, they people who had these vehicles registered, they revoked the registrations. For whatever reason, and I don't know quite why. You can still register in Massachusetts, but you can't register them in uh, Rhode Island and Maine right now. So we'll have to we'll have to see a little bit more about that and what you know what that's all about. He doesn't look like he's registering his. It looks like he's just going to use it for a little plow truck and a novelty truck that he's uh, you know fun little thing to drive around. Speaking of uh, driving around, uh, you know here living away from. Massachusetts. I haven't been road testing any new cars lately, but I think that's supposed to change this week where where I'm going to uh, get a couple of couple of cars to drive over the next few weeks and evaluate them and see what's see what's new for 2023. Um 
So I'm working with a group down here in Florida to be able to do that. We have uh, Mike from Hingham on the line. Speaking of Hingham, we have Michael from Hingham. Michael, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing, Doctor? I'm doing okay. How about you? Not bad from the old guy. I'll tell you, I wish I was down there. It's a little chilly here today. I, I understand it's a little chilly. There's a little little uh, dusting of snow here and there. Probably not in Hingham, you know. But Oh, yeah. But, Can't afford yeah. it. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> the reason I called you was I wonder if you heard anything more about the new Toyota Crown that's coming in that's replacing the Avalon. Well, no. I mean, I guess I guess I've heard about it as much as anybody else has heard about it. It's it's a uh, it's going to be smaller than the Avalon, so it's not going to be Avalon sized. Um, it's not gonna it's not gonna have uh, it's not gonna have the same engine. I think it's going to be a uh, I think it's going to be a plug-in hybrid, um, so it is. You know, it is a little bit. It is a little bit different all the way around. Um, I actually, you know, I'm kind of glad they kind of brought that name back because I I always kind of liked the old Toyota Crowns, but yeah, oh. it's not. It's it's not going to. And I really think, and and maybe it's just me, but I really think um, Toyota made a mistake getting rid of the Avalon. I thought I thought the uh, I th- I thought the Avalon was a car that that did really well. I mean, the, the crown is supposed to come. I, you know, last time I read something that said it was, uh, it was going to come sometime in 2023. They did have, um, they did have some press introductions that I, I've talked to some people that went to it. Um, it, it is, you know, it, it is sort of interesting that it, 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 from what I understand and what I, what I read about it, it is a um, all wheel drive, Vehicle, so there's no front wheel, rear wheel drive. It's it's standard all wheel drive, and uh, it has a whole bunch of different engine choices. Um, kind of a two liter or two and a half liter, I guess, four cylinder, and then there's also a, a turbocharged hybrid, which is the one that I saw, and I think that was 350 horsepower or something. It was a whole bunch of horsepower. So, but still. You know, like like you with your your car, you 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 don't want to give up that V eight. Uh, it's true, but I'm going to be forced to. I, I had three Cressidas, which had that beautiful straight six in them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Before I, and they, they were great cars. I think they knocked them off because they brought up the Lexus. Now, my thought is, uh, if I had to buy another car today, we've talked about this before, I think I've done a lot of research. i go with a hybrid right now. I think a hybrid's the way to go right now. And it'd probably be, unless I can be talked out of a Toyota, probably like a Camry or maybe this Crown hybrid. Yeah. You know, I think that's the way to go today. Yeah, I, you know, I think, depending on, you know, for some people, um, the other option is with the with the hybrid is also going with a plug-in hybrid, which kind of gives you the best of both worlds, depending on the car. Um, I drove a um, what was it a Hyundai Tucson plug-in hybrid, and um, it would go about forty-ish miles on a charge on a full battery charge. It would do sixty-five miles an hour on electric, and but it would go about forty miles and on kind of working at home sort of thing um my day-to-day driving of going you know going to the supermarket or going out to do an errand or going out here and not commuting 100 miles back and forth to work um i could do it all on electricity and plug into a 110 volt outlet and you know if i took 20 or 25 miles out of it overnight i'd plug it in or 
during the day, I'd plug it in overnight, and I'd come out to a fully charged battery the next day. So for some people, a plug-in hybrid might be even a better way to go. But, yeah, I think a hybrid to maximize fuel economy and, you know, this this Toyota Crown, you know, they're saying, you know, 40 miles per gallon, pretty good. And then I'm getting with the V8. Yeah, but you got a V8. There's a lot to be said for that. There's a lot to be said for that, let me say. Well, listen, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and I'll, I'll talk to you before then. And by the way, it's on a side conversation at the time. I'll tell you how I solved my no start, uh, no start, remote starter problem with Toyota off oh. the record, okay? All right, all right, all right, good Bye-bye. enough. All right, take Thank care. You. Bye-bye. Our phone number again, 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. Yeah, the Toyota Crown, you know, I, I finally started to started to look it up to see what's so interesting about it. And, you know, some of the stuff, you know, Toyota Crown is dynamic combination of elements. And, you know, I, it, it took a little while to get to the Toyota website. And it said uh, turbocharged and electrified underneath Toyota Crown's cutting-edge technology this is where my memory didn't work that good, um, is an all, is an all-new available hybrid max powertrain. This advanced system pairs Toyota Crown's 2.4-liter turbocharged engine with electric motors, generating an exceptional 340 horsepower with 400 foot-pounds of torque. I think I guess 300 and something. So. And the dynamic placement of the electric motor between the engine and transmission allows for the power to be transferred without any lag. So um, it's sort of different than some something that might be an electric motor on a wheel. Uh, they claim 0 to 60 in 5.7 seconds. I don't know that you really care about that in a four-door sedan, but maybe you do. And, of course, uh, like a lot of cars, it has uh, Toyota's uh, full uh, kind of AV system with, you know, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto and, you know, big 12-inch display screen and Sirius XM radio and all that sort of stuff. And Toyota Safety Sense, which is the lane departure alert with steering assist, lane tracing assist, which is a little bit different. Uh, when full-speed dynamic range uh, cruise control is engaged uh, and lane markers are detected, lane tracing assistant uses lines in the road and or the preceding vehicle to provide active driving assistance to help keep the vehicle centered in the lane while lane tracing assistance is activated the emergency driving stop system is designed to monitor the driver's input such as steering operation uh, if the EDSS system determines the driver is not attentive and the driver does not respond to prompts to resume control of the vehicle it can bring the vehicle to a stop under certain conditions so you know, if you've had a long day and you fell asleep, I guess it'll bring the car to a stop. Um, and also roadside ass- assist, which it uses an intelligent camera and roadside assist designed to detect speed signs, stop signs, do not enter signs, yield signs, certain warning signs, display an icon on the of the sign on the multi-information display. I have driven other cars. Uh, I think it was, might have been an Audi, where... Uh, it would adjust the cruise control based on the speed. So even if you had the cruise control set at like 75 and the speed limit was 70, um, all of a sudden the speed limit dropped to 55, the car would drop to 55 and lock in the cruise control there. So interesting. I'm not sure I want all this technology some days. You know, some days I do. I think some days it's really interesting. But, you know, there's there's a lot going on in some of these cars today. And the other part of it, and, you know, all of these 
automatic emergency braking and automatic high beams and steering assist. You know, what are these cars going to be like in 20 years when the stuff eventually starts to wear out? That could be a problem. But, um, but yeah, the Toyota Crown right now is a uh, starts the XLE. And again, standard all-wheel drive, which is pretty good, starts at uh, thirty-nine nine fifty. The Limited, which gives you, and that's a hybrid. That's a four-cylinder hybrid. The Limited gives you LED projector headlights, panoramic uh, fixed glass sunroof with a power sunshade, eleven-speaker JBL audio system, and the Platinum Edition gives you that turbocharged um, hybrid engine. So that. 340 horsepower um, a little different transmission it uses a uh, six-speed direct shift automatic transmission so it gives you that kind of manual transmission feel should you should you want that so uh, but you know it's all coming soon in 2023 from what I understand and uh, it it's it's a pretty good looking car but I don't it's not really an Avalon it's smaller than the Avalon so uh, where the Avalon was sort of Toyota's answer to like a Buick Park Avenue, which I sort of I kind of got in trouble with the Toyota people once when I called it the Buick, or I called it the Toyota Park Avalon, and I don't think the uh, I don't think the Toyota people saw saw my humor in that, but maybe I don't know maybe they would. There is a company that is actually recycling battery cells. It says here, Redwood Materials will provide cathode material, a key component in lithium-ion batteries that power electric vehicles for a giant uh, factory Panasonic Energy is building in Kansas. The deal represents the first time the material will be made at this gigafactory scale in the U.S. Redwood's material says it plans uh, to produce 100 gigawatt hours of cathode for 1 million EVs from recycled battery cells. Uh, people ask me about battery recycling. What about all these electric vehicle batteries? Well, that that business is going to be a huge business. Um, you know, the battery cell material for 2025 at its $3.5 billion battery materials factory is under construction near Reno, Nevada. Panasonic will use Redwood's cathode material for battery cell production at its $4 billion lithium-ion battery plant. The other part of it is recycled electric vehicle batteries. The materials are actually cleaner and need to be refined less because they've already been refined once, which makes it better. Currently, newly mined or recycled metals from the U.S. are sent to Asia, where most of the world's electric battery infrastructure manufacturing expertise is located for refinement. Materials are then sent back, so you save that uh, kind of trip. Um, there was an article, and I'm kind of embarrassed I didn't read it yet. It says, uh, sales of the Toyota Mirai hydrogen fuel cell vehicle may be small since its uh, launch eight years ago, but those owners are using their cars, use them in a big way. More than 9 in 10 of the owners, 92%, says they use their Mirai as a primary household vehicle, according to Craig Scott, director of fuel cell solutions at Toyota Motor Company, said that in less than two-thirds of the battery electric vehicle owners say the same. But in a small sample, the Mirai has been on sale since 2015. I drove one. It's a really nice car. And it struggled to gain foothold since the start of the 2020. Toyota sold just uh, less than 5,000 of them. Nonetheless, Toyota re- reported gap in some uh, owners are using the, the two technologies uh, 
in which hydrogen fuel cell vehicles might complement and compete with battery electric vehicles down the road. People view the capabilities of hydrogen as a primary vehicle replacement, so they're uh, so they're using them accordingly. In Los Angeles, driving 60, 80 miles on a commute's not that unusual, and the need for robustness that hydrogen offers. Toyota's preparing for the future. Beyond the Mirai, the company said it partnered with BMW to co-design and co-develop another hydrogen fuel vehicle that could go on sale in early 2025. Of course, battery electric sales are booming, while fuel cell sales are in kind of an embryonic state, it says here. In Japan, where Toyota launched the Mirai in 2014, the accumulated volume of fuel cell passenger cars, um, again, is a really low number. For long-haul applications and perhaps others, However, there's an increasing exploration of hydrogen in transportation. We believe in EV technology, um, though, for heavy duty and perhaps some other segments. So hydrogen could be, and this is um, the president of Hyundai said, hydrogen may be more of a heavy duty truck type thing. So be interesting to see how it all goes. But fuel cells are coming in late. Uh, according to the executive director of Hydrogen Fuel Cell Partnership. But if you look at energy transition, we're now looking at going from incremental growth to 100% transition. People are getting different answers to that question. So lots of stuff going on. Hey, that music means we need to go. Uh, Next week, we're going to be talking about cars that will get you over 200,000 miles with the uh, folks from iccars.com. So we're going to be that set up for next week. And until then, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>